0: And the nursery. I appreciate, uh, we appreciate all of our King's Kids workers. Rodney and Megan are doing this month. Amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Amen. Well, we got a treat for you this morning, uh, Wednesday night. Paul, uh, brother Paul, minister did a great job Wednesday night ministering to us, and uh, I like giving giving folks opportunities to minister and, and to share the, the what the Lord has on their heart. And we are so blessed to have uh, uh, brother B J. Waters going to be sharing the word today. And B J. is such a blessing to to us personally and to this church, to our youth, and uh, and everything that he does. Uh, him and Katie. And uh, so I, I like giving him the opportunity. I, I want to give him opportunities to share with the whole church. He gets to minister to the to the young people a lot, but uh, I want you guys to hear him too because he has a lot in him, and uh, and he has he has a lot that he that he needs to share with all of us. Amen. So uh, let's give BJ a welcome as he comes and ministers to us this morning. Amen. Love you, brother. Let's
1: uh, get to see everybody this morning. Whew. Let's just let's just go to the Lord real quick. Just everybody, just lift your hands up. Lift your, lift your hands, Father. We just thank you for this time, Father. We just thank you for your presence in this place. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for the hope of heaven right now, even as the word um, is spoken. That the reality of heaven, the reality of life, would just drop into our hearts and into our minds. That even this morning, as the word is brought, Father, that that. That minds would be transformed in your presence, Father. That, 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 that the, the, the very atmosphere of heaven would just fall upon our our minds this morning. And as as the veil of the temple was torn in in two, Father, that any veils that lay over our mindsets would just be torn right now in Jesus' name. Yes, that we would see reality for what you say reality is. That we would see truth for what you say truth is father we would begin to experience life on your level yes we just thank you for this father thank you for this word this morning father lord even as uh, the psalmist said my tongue is the is the pen of a ready writer father that it would be your words that touch lives and touch hearts father and if you want to interrupt you are completely welcome to interrupt this service in this morning in jesus name amen amen uh it's good to see everybody this morning um uh i want to talk to you this morning about um the um the fast of hope now a lot of times we talk about fasting you know and we fast for 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 reasons we fast food and or we whatever you decide to set set aside for a time to 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 so you can your focus you can really hone in your focus you know we talk about fasting is not to move move God and get God to do things you know. Fasting is is to move us into a position where we can see what God's always been doing, so that we can hear what God's always been saying, so that we can experience what God's always had for us the whole time. Um, you know, the 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 the, the, the transformed mind um, is is a is a mind that is is being changed in knowledge, and it's being moved into a place to where you're you're experiencing what you've always had because your mind is now being transformed to see what God has always saw so we don't we don't step into a a place of transformation so that God will do something for us where God's waiting for us to be transformed so that he can do something God's beckoning and calling and wooing us to transform our minds and the way we see things so that we can experience what He's already accomplished. It's why why people experience... See, I I am under the full persuasion that God is good and only good. And if there's anything in my life that is outside of goodness, it comes from two places. It comes either from the enemy or it comes from my part of my mind that has not been transformed to the reality of what he says is truth. Period. And it causes me to to even open up the word and to see the word from that light. I mean there's so much in the word that's been been translated and taught through through just the experience of man. Um and a message it says in in John chapter 8 it says um You define what life is based on the narrowness of your experience. While I define it on the largeness of the one that sent me. See, Jesus defined what life was based on the largeness and the goodness of the one who sent him. But there's people in life that define who God is. They define what God does. They They define everything that they believe based on the narrowness of their experience in life. And they allow their narrowness and their narrow-mindedness to to tell them who God is. And, And I dare say a lot of us have experienced a lot of stuff that if we allowed that stuff to define God, we wouldn't want to be near Him. but it's not that's not the case, and that's not the point you know I'll give you a, a prime example because um, um, in um, John chapter nine, and you can put it up put it up in the um, in the King James because see, if I read scripture and I pull anything out of it outside of the goodness of God, then I actually won't I don't agree with the translation of the Scripture. I didn't say I don't agree with the Word. I said I don't agree with the people that translated it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There's no guilt. You're associated with no guilt to those who are in Christ. The translators thought that that was actually too good to be true, so they had to add to those that walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. They had to add to the translation. And in, 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 um, in John, chapter, um, John chapter 9, where it says, uh, you go to John 9, verse 1 in the King James. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I have to understand, in the culture where Jesus was, they actually believed that, that you could sin before you were born. So when when people were born with disfigurements and and blindness, the, the mindset, the narrowness of the experience was that they must have done something before they were born to be born blind. So this man was looked at as a sinner from, from birth because he was blind. And, and either he did something or his parents did something. It was the mindset. The disciples weren't open for anything outside of who sinned, him or his parents, period. There is no other option. He's blind for two reasons. Either he sinned or his parents sinned. Jesus, who was it? And Jesus makes this statement. This is how the King James translates it. This is how the writers of the King James... Because, see, this was their experience and their perception of who God was. Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents... But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So Jesus says, neither neither one, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. Now you read other translations too that actually say, well, his parents didn't sin and his his uh, he, he didn't sin, but he's blind so that God could could receive glory. And y'all, like, oh, you've heard it taught like that before. I have a problem with that because. I have a problem with that interpretation because I don't see the goodness of God in the interpretation of that particular translation. Because what I read is he's blind so that God could be glorified. Are you with me? Because, see, everything I read now in Scripture is going to go back to the goodness of God. And if my interpretation of that moment in Scripture is anything outside of goodness, then I'm not interpreting it right. I have a wrong interpretation of what I think Scripture says because that is not good that God would cause him to be blind so that he could be glorified 40 years later. Right? God makes him blind and he has to live for 40 years blind, but it's okay because one day, don't worry about it, one day Jesus is going to come by and he's going to do the works and then I'm going to heal you and then everybody's going to know how good I am and how awesome I am. I have a problem with that. But go over to the message. Turn to the uh, look at the message in John John 9, verse 1. See, this is this is where I'm, I'm searching the scriptures to find the, the goodness of God. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a blind man from birth. You can go to the next next one. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? The next verse. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame, and there is no such cause and effect. Look instead for what God can do. Jesus says, listen, your interpretation and your understanding of the situation is completely out of whack. What you need to be looking for is what God can do right now. I believe this was the heart of the Father. This is what Jesus meant. It wasn't, well, he's, he's blind so that God could be glorified. We actually have people. I had somebody come up to me a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the goodness of God. They have trouble believing in the goodness of God because it's been taught to them that things can come upon them so that God can receive glory. And here's the reality. If you believe that, you're, fooling, you're, not, fooling, you're not fooling yourself and you're not fooling me to think that you actually enjoy a connection with Him. How could, you, how could you connect with somebody who brings pain into your life that you actually think brings pain? Really? There's absolutely no way that you, you, you or I, either one of us want to connect with anybody who is associated with pain and suffering. Absolutely no way. We can, we can, we can mask it and we can make it sound good like Job did, in Job chapter 1 the Lord gives and the Lord takes away but blessed be the name of the Lord. And then you can look at two two chapters later when Job says curse the day I was born. I wish my first breath would have been my last breath. Because Job finally finally got real with what he was actually feeling. He knew what to say in that moment. Well, well, you know, God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. But when the rubber met the road in Job's life and he just completely didn't understand what was going on, cursed the day I was born. I wish my first breath would have been my last breath. And then understanding the story of Job when God actually shows up to him and and introduces himself, Job's like, man, I've said a lot of stuff I shouldn't have said. I believed a lot of stuff I shouldn't have believed. I once lived on the crust of rumors and the bread of hearsay. But now, I know you for myself. You know, and we're talking about having that right mindset. We're talking about why it's so important to have your mind, to, to, to have your mind renewed. And I, and I want to talk to you this morning about the fast of hope. And I call it the fast of hope because in, in, uh, uh, um, the world is, is in need of hope right now. And we are hope carriers. Right. And, and, you know, and if I was to tell you, you know, it's so interesting. If I tell you, like, the world is actually getting better, the world is in a better place than it's ever been. I know right now you're thinking, brother. But here's my question to you. Where are you getting your information from? Why do you not believe that truth? When I say that the world is actually in a better place than it's ever been, and you disagree, my question is, where are you basing your reality? Because it matters. Just a couple fun facts outside of the Bible. Did you know, every day, Almost 200,000 people are lifted above the $2 a day poverty line. Every single day since they have started recording poverty, every single day more than 200,000 people step up out of the $2 a day poverty line. That's an amazing fact, and it's a fact. Did you Did you know... Every day, more than 300,000 people get access to electricity and clean water for the first time. Every day, more than 300,000 people are coming into a place of access for electricity and water that they've never had in their entire life. Every single day, 300,000 people. Did you know that? Did you know that the life expectancy has risen since they started keeping track of it from the 1700s. Did you know the average life expectancy in America was like 35 to 40? Did you know that in uh, in Africa it was almost 25 and now it's up to 70? Did you know that? That's good news. That's getting better. Did you know people are taller now than they were? Back in the day, did you did you know that in 1950 the world had a 50 percent poverty rate? Did you know that in 2019 the world is down to 10 percent poverty rate? Did you know that? And I see it's true. Like I was, for instance, it's funny, like how people are getting taller. I was in downtown Charlotte this week. And It's the Johnston building. It's it's one of two of the oldest buildings in Charlotte that are still functional. And you go up into the the, the penthouse stairs, and the, the stair rail, when you get up to the top, the stair rail so that you don't fall over literally comes to right here. I'm not exaggerating. Like, you can't lean or you will fall off the stairs. Do you know why it comes to right there? Because in 1923, that was as high as it needed to be to keep people safe. Because people weren't tall as tall as they were now. People are actually taller now. I remember, I remember when uh, when we when we found my, my, my grandfather. He was in the navy back in the the 30s and 40s, and we found his outfits. We were like 12 years old, and we found him in the attic, and we were freaking out, man. And we put we put the I could barely fit in his navy uniform when he was 25. I was 13 years old. I was 12 years old, and I couldn't hardly get into it. Because people, were short. people are getting taller. People are living longer. Death rate has decreased. The, their infant mortality has decreased. Diseases have decreased. So when I say that the world is getting better and your first thought is, I don't agree with that, my question would be, where are you receiving your information? Because it is getting better. See, I want your wheels spinning because the question is, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you call reality what you call reality? Does your definition of reality agree with God's definition of reality? Does your definition of what truth is agree with God's definition of what truth is? Because it should. Because the Word says that we're citizens of heaven. We are from that place. So our reality should be His reality. And listen, in heaven, there is nothing but hope. What is hope? A joyful expectation of good things to come. You should live every day with the hope of heaven. Not for heaven coming... Because here's the reality. When John the Baptist showed up on the scene, what was his message? Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. When John faded out and Jesus stepped in, what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God has come. Now, religion turns everything into this this doom and gloom and message of, 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 of fire and brimstone. And here's the reality. I could preach a message today of fire and brimstone and probably bring one-third to two-thirds of you down here on the altar to repent for stuff you don't even know what you're repenting for. But the problem with those messages is they reach only your soul. They reach only your emotions. Jonathan Edwards preached sinners in the hands of an angry God and they were falling out of the, they were, they were in, they were just falling out all over the place, repenting and weeping and crying, and they called it this massive revival. All he was doing was preaching fire and brimstone, and it really, there was absolutely no change. It's a temporary change. We bring people to the altar, you feel good about yourself because you, you wiped down emotionally, but there's absolutely no change. You walk out those doors, you are who you were when you walked in. You're doing what you did before you got here. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the message Jesus preached. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a good gospel. It's a gospel that's too good to be true. It's a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of life. It's a gospel that reaches to the innermost part of you and it energizes you and it causes you to think that nothing is impossible for you and it causes you to think that you're invincible and you begin to understand what more than a conqueror actually is. And you realize that there is no fear and there is no death because he that believes in me has already passed out of death and come into life. You begin to walk like Paul did. Man, I'm I'm torn between the two. I want to leave. I want to go be with you. But to be here is so much more beneficial for for them. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. And Then he gets to the end of his life. And he's like, I've run the race. I've finished my course. I'm ready to go. Hope. He lived with hope. There was never doom and there was never gloom. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Transform your thinking. Change the way you think. Step into a place of hope. Step into a place of joyous, confident expectation and live from that place every single day. This world is getting better. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in the voice. Despite what you may think, despite what you may hear, despite what you may see, these evil spirits are losing their grip on this world. Despite what you're watching, despite what you're listening to, despite what you think because of a, the narrowness of an experience, these evil spirits are losing their grip on this world. That's the Word of God. I don't, it, that's not MSNBC, I'm sorry, that's not CNN, that's not ABC, that's not Channel 3, but it is the Word, the unadulterated Word of God that is able to actually transform the way you see things. come on it 's the fast see i 'm encouraging, encouraging you to the fast of joy. where are you getting your truth and where are you getting your reality from? I call it the fast of joy, a fast of hope because there was a there was a time in um, in nehemiah 's day nehemiah rebuilt he rebuilt the walls and, and he rebuilt the temple and the areas and and when everything was done, and they dedicated the temple, you had a group of people who had had never for a hundred years had never heard the word read for a hundred years, which means that the generation the last generation that had heard the word of God was dead, and this generation had never heard the word, so they 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 brought this dedication of the temple and Nehemiah. Um, and Ezra, Ezra began to read. And as he began to read the, 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 the word, they had pe- the Levites began to interpret it and to bring understanding to the people. And when the people realized the way they were living versus what God expected was two totally different things, they began to just weep and they begin to mourn. And you know what? Nehemiah was like, stop. Why? Why did they do that? Because that's what they knew. See, for them in that day, fasting, fasting was actually easy. You put on your sackcloth, you put dust in your hair, you walked around, you, 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 you made yourself feel horrible, and you just walked around going, oh, what is me, What is me, you know, I'm just... You know, you humbled, you humbled yourself through fasting. And it was easy. It was the culture. It was the norm. It was what everybody did. It wasn't hard to fast back then, the way they fasted. And as soon as they heard the Word, they just began to like, oh, and they began to do what they knew to do, right? And, and you might like, stop. Stop. This isn't a day of mourning. This isn't a day. This is a day you've returned back. This is a day of feasting. This is a day of joy. Everybody, go back to your houses. Cook the biggest meal you can cook. Bring it back. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're going to celebrate in this place today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're We're supposed to be like mourning and weeping for our sins. No, today's a day of joy and festivities, because you've come back to the Lord. And God called them to a fast of joy instead of a fast of mourning. And it was completely contrary to what they thought reality was, to what they thought they were supposed to be doing. We should be crying and weeping right now. And God's like, no, I want you to dance. I want you to rejoice. I want you to get excited. I want you to... And they spent the next seven days just rejoicing and feasting and just having the time of their life because the joy of the Lord was their strength. And we, I, I encourage you to return, that we need to return back to a fast of hope. To where we're living in a place of joyous expectation of good things to come. Because we base our reality on who He is and what He says, and not on what we hear. I've already given you. I've already given you you uh, worldly facts that prove that the world's getting better. I mean that's that's awesome and amazing, but that's that's there's so much more to it than that. And uh, I want to you know Romans fifteen three. Um, I love. There's a couple of translations I want to read because the word says. Um, I'll let you put it up there. Romans 5. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. Romans 15:13. May the God of your hope so fill you. You can put it in the, the Amplified. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and overflow with hope. We are called in this day, in this time, until forever, to abound with hope. To abound, to overflow with hope. Like, in the kingdom, there's there's no pessimism. There's no doubt. There's no unbelief. There's no, well, it's going to get better one day, brother. Well, we know, we can't, why, like this whole, I can't wait for the Lord to come back because the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. That is the mentality of the enemy. He wants you to get like that so that you'll run and that you'll run and hide and you'll just pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. When the world needs hope, the world needs something to believe in. And we have it. We're carriers of this hope. Because our Father is the God of hope who fills us with joy and peace in believing. Come on, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is righteousness, peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. And it is not defined... Righteousness, peace, and joy are not defined by your circumstances. They're defined by the reality of heaven which has come to this earth. Repent. Because the kingdom is here. One translation says, the engineer, God, the engineer of expectation, fill you to the brim with tranquil delight. The engineer of expectation. Another translation says, God, the inspiration and fountain of hope. Another translation says, may the God of green hope. You know what What happens, though? is a lot of the stuff, because it still goes back to why do you believe what you believe and where did you get it from? I will give you a prime example. We have a really, really good friend. We love her to death, and she is um, absolutely against uh, the message translation. And I'll tell you why she's against it is because somebody called her one time, and she said, uh, um, "You know that message Bible? You know how bad it is. It says it's, it says the God of Green. She's talking about like the, like money, green, God of Green." and and instead of instead of uh and it kind of surprised me because instead of actually going into her closet and getting with the father and asking the father about this, they just were like, "Well, oh, we're not we're gonna listen to that translation that's that translation's of the enemy but I love that translation. So I got like, okay, Lord, I don't understand because like that that's an amazing translation. What is he talking about the god of green so i I went and started I started studying right. You start diving into it yourself. Not because you've heard something. Not because you've experienced something. But because you actually want to know for yourself. And so I I just, I started started looking into it. and, And it actually says, the God of green hope fill you with joy in believing. It doesn't say the God of green. Is that up there? May the God of green hope fill you with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. The God of green hope. What's my point? Listen, where, where are you receiving, and I'm challenging you, I'm not, not saying this in a way, where are you receiving your information? Because it's not, if it's not from His presence, you need to re-examine what you believe. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. In His presence is hope. In His presence, you are filled with joyous expectation. And anything that causes you to think that the world is worse than it's ever been and it's getting worse did not come from His presence. It's not truth. Everything you believe should be be filtered from the Holy Spirit in your, in your quiet time with Him. Everything. Listen, the Bereans... Paul went around teaching them the amazing gospel of freedom, the gospel of hope, and the Bereans of his day, they, they would take what Paul said, they would go home, they would open up the Scriptures, study the Scriptures, and then they'd come back the next day and say, man, you know what? We, we, we actually believe what you said yesterday. Not because you said it, but because we actually spent time with, with the Father and He showed us that it was true. This is where hope comes from. Being a Berean, studying it, going after it yourself. Not because you think, you know, remember, don't define life based on the narrowness of your experiences. The God of green. Um, Turn over to John chapter 7. I love this. This, this, uh, this scripture here just absolutely transforms my life every day because the heart of the Father is, to, is for us to know Him. John In John 17, 3, it's He Jesus defines eternal life. See, eternal life for so long to so many people is when we die and we get to go to heaven and live forever. That's eternal life. Eternal life is when, when we leave this world, we go to be with the Father and we live forever. How many of you actually heard it defined that way? It's okay. Raise your hand. I mean, if you've ever heard it defined that way. Yeah, okay. See, that's not how Jesus defined eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And that word know actually is, a, is the picture of intimacy, to know through personal experience the one true Father. Eternal life is for you and for me to personally know through an experience who He is, and so many people have taken eternal life and they're 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 looking forward to dying so that they can experience it. And that's not even what that's not even what it is. Remember the question again. I'm going to go back to it. Is is where are you where are you getting your 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 truth and your your uh, your um, your reality's from, because if it's not from the throne room, if it's not from His presence, I would question. I would question it. the simplicity. Listen. Listen, it took ten seconds and he just received revelation because he searched it for himself and didn't just believe what I'm saying up here. His life, Joel's life, has now taken a whole other place of meaning, if you will. another. He stepped into another realm of reality because he searched it out for himself and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit confirmed something to him. Listen, it's no different than David going to fight Goliath and what does Saul do here? Put my armor on. Put my armor on. And David puts the armor on and he, he just takes it off and he says, I can't fight my battle with your armor because I have not proved it. You can't run into battle. You can't live in hope on my revelations. You can't live in righteousness, peace, and joy based on what I believe. Religion wants you to do that, religion's taught us to do that. Religion has taught us to push away responsibility and just let other people do it for us. This is what religion is. Religion is someone else telling you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Relationship is a freedom that you get to step into and you get to engage personally with the one Jesus Christ and the Father whom He sent. That's what relationship is and that's what you've been called into. And it's relationship that opens up the door of revelation. It's relationship that gives the Holy Spirit permission to teach you who the Father is. It's relationship, the grace of God has appeared to all men and teaches us. Where are you getting your information from? Because you have a living connection with the Holy Spirit. And so many people live, live below that, that place of hope and that place of victory because they're defining what truth is by the narrowness of their experience. They're defining what truth is by what somebody else has said. They're defining truth by what other people are telling them. And they're not taking advantage of the reality that they themselves are sons and daughters of God and have access to the throne room. And it changes your realities. In John chapter seven, um, where, let's see, I wrote that. Um. Anyway, in John chapter seven, I've got it over here somewhere on a different. I always just I kind of throw stuff down on the page. Um. The the. the to the, the, the put it all in context, John uh, Jesus goes to the the, the 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 feast, and people are um, people are some people are trying to kill him, some people are trying to figure out who he is, and and Jesus begins to to minister. and, and one translation says, um, "What amazed the Jews most about Jesus? Y'all, y'all want to know what amazed the Jews most about Jesus? What's well, his knowledge of the Scripture?" though he had never attended any of their schools. Now, a lot of times, here's the other problem with religion, is the first thought is, yeah, that was Jesus. Of course. Because we're not Jesus, right? No, you're right. You're not Jesus, but you're his brother. He's the firstborn of many. John, 1 John chapter 2 says that if anyone abides in God... He should live life just like Jesus lived life. So, the thing that amazed the Jews most about Jesus was His knowledge of the Scripture, though He had never been to school. And and He goes on to say, Jesus responded, I love this, "My, my, My teaching is not the product of my own invention or of human perception, but by my divine connection. My mission explains my sender's purpose. My teaching is not the product of my own invention. Human perce- See, I can stand up here. I can, I can teach you something on what I think Scripture says. And if you've been in a place where you don't know how to take responsibility for what you receive, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. There's a right way to divide it. There's a wrong way to divide it. And it doesn't say, let the pastor study so he can teach you what the Word says. I'm not not throwing rocks at you. I, I want to bring you up into a place to where we're all... Jesus brought everybody onto the same playing field. Every mountain was brought down and every valley was raised. You have the same access to the throne room that I have. We have the same access to the throne room that Bill Johnson has. Whoever, you put their name in that place, they've got no more access into that that place of intimacy and revelation and knowledge that you have. Nobody has anything over you because you are in Christ just like them. Period. So, So... Jesus said, my teaching is not the product of my own invention or human perception, but by by my divine connection. Everything you believe about what truth and reality is should only be birthed from your divine connection with the Father. Period. Period. If, If you're allowing anything of your life experience to define who God is, you have been brought into a place of deception. And it's revelation that pulls you out of that. In John chapter 7, in the, in the, uh, in the, the um, Amplified, um, my teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. Now listen to what he says in verse 17. If any man desires to do his will... He will know, she will know, and have the needed illumination to recognize and tell for themselves whether this teaching is from God or if I'm just speaking on my own accord or my own authority. If if a person has the desire and the hunger to know what the will of God is, then you'll know if what I'm saying is something I'm just making up to look good or if I actually got it from my divine connection. I'm, I'm not here to, to, to convince you that what I'm speaking of came from the throne room. I'm just speaking to you what came from the throne room. Your job is to go home and get into the throne room let the Father show you what truth and reality is. He who speaks on his own authority seeks to win honor for himself. He whose teaching originates with himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory and is eager for the honor of him who sent him, he's true. And there's no unrighteousness or falsehood or deception in him. If anybody really wants to do the will of the Father. Ha, ha, so, so what does that mean? A person, I, I, what does it mean? Like I'm up here, I'm, 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 I'm sharing with you revelation. And, and it says, Jesus says, if you really want to do the will of the Father, you're going to know. If your heart is to know truth, you're going to know. Why? Because you're taking everything you hear. You're taking everything that you know. And you're taking it back to the throne room, to the place of intimacy. You're taking everything back to your divine connection and you're letting the Spirit of God filter for you what is truth and what is not. Because the grace of God teaches you. In Proverbs chapter 31, a lot of people actually, a lot of people think that, um, that it's... it's, it's this is new, new for me. A lot of people think that this is about, about godly women. But actually, did you know that it's it's actually a prophetic chapter of the Bride of Christ? It's used a lot at Mother's Day. And it's a great chapter for mothers. But the ultimate root of the the, the writing is actually a prophetic verse, just like Song of Solomon's, to, to, to show you what the Bride of Christ lives like. And, and it says in, in Proverbs 31, 25... Clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear, she smiles when she thinks about the future. She conducts her conversation with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is ever her concern. One translation says, bold power power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Because, see, as you begin to, to dive into your divine connection with, with the Father because of what Jesus has done, he, he will begin to filter for you what is truth and what is not truth. And you'll begin to have hope rise up on the inside of you so that you can what? So that you can laugh with joy over the latter days. Listen, this is a time, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a place that the world has never yet been. We're like Star Trek. We're going where no man's gone before. And it's going to be good. And we've got to walk in this place with hope. We've got to walk in this place with love and joy and righteousness because it's who we are. It is the kingdom. We are called to live in hope. We are called to rejoice in the latter days. But that hope and that joy and that rejoicing only comes from the mindset of heaven. So repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change the way you think. Change what you think reality is. Examine your beliefs. Examine what you think. Anything that causes you to feel like God is doing something towards you that's negative is a mindset from the pit of hell. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, y'all know when Jesus went to the pool Bethesda and He, and he healed the man? And, and then he, he went and found the man again. And you know, the King James says... Now go and and sin no more lest something worse happens to you. You know, I just like, come on, translate it better. You know what I'm saying? This is, to go and sin no more lest something worse happens, which means that if you keep sinning, God's going to do something even worse to you than what he did the first time. That's how it was taught when I was growing up, right? I'm just, come on, it's the goodness of God. That can't be the reality and the truth. So one translation says, do not continue in your old distorted mindset and nothing worse can happen. See, listen, there's a, we have to come into a place where we, where we take responsibility for the way we live, for the way we think. Amen. Proverbs 4 verse 23 in the easy to read version says, above everything that you do, be careful what you think. Because your thoughts control your life. Your thoughts control your life. God is not in control of you unless you allow Him to be in control. Things don't just happen for a reason. Things happen because of how I think. Above all that you do, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Ted Decker says it best like this. What you believe about yourself does not define you. What God believes about you is who you are. What God believes about you is who you are. Your thoughts do not define you. However, however, the great beauty of relationship, the beauty of freedom, however, what you believe about yourself and about Him is your experience. See, if your thoughts don't line up with the kingdom, because you have been given freedom and choice, your experience is based on your beliefs. Even if your beliefs are beliefs of deception. And even if your beliefs come from the distorted mindset of the fallen nature of man you will experience the distortion of the fallen nature of man. Not because it's God's will. Not because it's God's plan. Not because that's what God had in mind for you before the foundation of the earth. It's because I have not transformed my thinking to repent because God's kingdom is here. My experience is always based on my thinking. My thinking either comes from the distorted nature of the fall of man or from the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is full of hope. The kingdom of God is full of joy. The kingdom of God looks with joy to the latter days. Man. Jesus asked, um, I'll leave you with this thought. When Jesus was standing for Pontius Pilate, um, Pilate said, You know, are you, as they say, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response to him was, Are these your own thoughts or did others suggest this about me? And my question for you today is, the thoughts that you have about what life is and what reality is and who God is, are they from God? Or are they what other people have suggested to you that God is like? Jesus also went on to say to Pilate, he said, my kingdom has nothing in common with politics or the religious systems of this world. It did not originate out of their structures. See, you can't look to the politics of America and understand what the reality of the kingdom is because there's no hope in any other place outside of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus clearly said, my kingdom has nothing in common with politics. And my kingdom has nothing in common with the religious systems of this world. See, so we can so often get so absorbed in the... We you know why? Because human nature is attracted to the negative. Human nature... I mean, there's bickering and fighting. There's all kinds of stuff going on, which is exactly why when I guarantee you, I can guarantee you that when I said the world is getting better a lot of people's minds immediately went to the, the, the political storm that's going on in America. Why? Because you're listening to the political storm. However, I'm in here today to let you know that the politics, Jesus, His world is not connected to the political systems of this world. Period. There's one thing that you'll find in the New Covenant about politics that you should pray for those who are in leadership so that you can live a peaceful life. It's, 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 it's coming into this place where we're seeing things from God's perspective. I can tell you right now, if, if you're listening to too much news, you're not going to live in hope. You're worried about who the next president is going to be. We're the answer, not another president. We're the answer. You're the answer. You're a son and you're a daughter of God. You've been called to manifest heaven in this world. The president's not going to do that unless he has the divine connection. But you can because you have the divine connection. It doesn't matter who the next president's going to be. It doesn't matter what Democrats and Republicans are doing. You're a citizen of heaven. And we've been called to bring that reality to this world. And you have everything you need. Second Peter chapter 1. All things have been given to you that pertain to life and godliness. Pastor talked about it last week. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Holy Spirit will tell you of things to come. He'll take what belongs to Jesus and He'll give it to you. You've got everything that you need to bring hope and joy to this world. So I challenge you and I call you today to a fast of hope. And, 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 and unplug from the frequencies of this world, and tune in to the frequency of heaven. Because heaven's here. Amen? Everybody just stand up to your feet. Let's just go out. Let's just go out worshiping. We just thank you. Thank you. that The weapons, Father, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Thank Thank you, Father, this morning that just the strongholds of our minds have been torn down. Father, that we would, just, we would just see things from your perspective. Father, we thank you for that hunger to go after what is reality. Lord, even as Jesus told the lady at the well that your worship must engage your spirit into the pursuit of reality. Father, that our lives are causing us to pursue what is truth and what is reality based on the, the kingdom of heaven and not on this world, Father. I thank you, Father, for this truth. I thank you, Father, casting down, casting down every thought and imagination that, that, that brings itself against the knowledge of God. Lord, even as the one translation says, arresting every thought that does not line up with the finished work of Christ. Father, we would just begin to arrest those thoughts, Father. And I thank you for the freedom of responsibility. So that we don't live life in the fallen state of Adam. When, when God showed up in the garden and said, have you eaten the fruit? And Adam's first response was, it's the woman. And the woman's first response was, it's the serpent. And ever since then, the fallen nature of man has passed down responsibility to the next person and to the next generation. And I thank you, Father, today that we'll stop passing responsibility of our connection to other people. Father, Your Word says that in the end days, in Daniel chapter 11, those that know their God will do great things and mighty exploits. Father, Your Word says that some of the most gifted in the things of God will arise in those days. Father, and I thank You, Lord, that it's not because You've, you've picked and pinpointed certain people to be most gifted, but because people, Father, are going to learn how to step into their divine connection, and they're going to learn how to operate in the things of the kingdom, and things are just going to get amazing. Things are just getting good right now. Father, I thank you that even right now as we walk down the streets, Father, there's just this anointing, Father, right now because the kingdom is here to just heal people, Father. That we would just pray for people and we would just begin to see results, that we would step out in faith knowing that we have everything that we need, Father, to accomplish everything you've called us to do, Father. I thank you for that increase, Father, that increase of testimony, that increase of anointing. Father, even as we've had these financial uh, testimonies, Father, I thank you there will be healing testimonies, Father, Lord, that we'll just pursue it. Father, I thank you for a group of people who engage in their connection with the Father, Father. Lord, the Word says that signs and wonders are for the unbelievers, they're not for us. Because we know, we've experienced it. We don't need things to happen to us so that we'll believe. We don't need things to happen to us so that we'll be engaged. Things happen to us because we're from that kingdom, because we're from that realm. We carry those things. They're normal to us, Father. And I thank you, Father, that we're not going after you so that we can believe more. Because those signs, we're the carriers of signs and wonders. We're not the ones that are sitting down waiting on them. I just thank you, Father. I thank you for that increase, Father, for that boldness in our lives, Father, to rise up and just be the men and the women of God who you've called us to be. Thank you, Father. We just worship you right now, Father. We just worship you because you have you this is this is the day the Lord has made. We look to the future with joyous expectation. Every day we choose the fast of hope. We choose to be hopeful. Just thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that this world is getting better. And Lord, even as your word says, despite what they may think, these evil spirits are truly and indeed losing their grip on this world. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dismissed. Thank you.